Welcome to episode 68 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And Cameron just swallowed his gum. I did. We had a very lengthy conversation <laughs> about the stigma around that and where it came from. And I still have no idea. I have no idea. If you know... Because it cause, to us. I don't know. In elementary school, were you taught that if you swallow yeah. gum, it takes seven <clears throat> years to go through your yeah, digestive Yeah, seven track? years. I also... Which is bullshit. I've swallowed, like, pounds of gum at this point. Yeah, but have you ever noticed it come out the other end? I'm sure it gets digested, like everything else. Yeah, but just I don't because know. because it's sticky doesn't mean it's undigestible. I don't know. If it's like corn, maybe it just goes through. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, the funny thing is, I also heard that about... Um, Maraschino cherries? What? I, what? I, there was some other random oh, I also thing. Like those. Some, but, I mean, obviously you can eat maraschino cherries, but there was some other random thing like that. Maybe it's like a cherry pit or something like that. Will maybe will we'll stay in your stomach. There was that episode of of Rugrats years ago. I'm already starting this off great. That's great. Um, <laughs> where rug, where where Chucky swallowed a oh, a watermelon seed. Yeah, and they were like trying to figure out how to get it out of him, and were, that scarred me because they were child. worried that a watermelon was going to grow inside of his stomach. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I kept looking down his throat to see if the vines were coming out yet. Oh, I, I actually that remember that episode. That scarred me as a child. I loved watermelon, but I would, like, furiously observe it before I'd eat it. Just, like, make <laughs> just sure, make sure there was no there seeds. Was not a single seed. So that didn't scar me, but it was, it was either Are You Afraid of the Dark or maybe Goosebumps. But there was one episode. It was all set in, like, a, a school swimming pool. And there was a monster in the water that you couldn't see. And so it's like, you know, even as a kid, like, even as you're swimming around, like, your imagination is like, oh, my God, there's something under the water, even though you can see everything perfectly. But this was like, it hit that point because you couldn't actually see it. So it's just some random creature that would, like, was invisible and would, like, grab you before you get out of the pool and then kill you or eat you or something like that. I don't remember what. Very on brand. Yeah, but it freaked me out. You just stop saying that. I said that three <laughs> times in the past 10 minutes. Oh, work well, is um, taking over my life. It's very on brand of you to say. Stop. <laughs> say the phrase oh, on brand. Stop. Yeah, I don't know. Man, there's there's some freaky shit out there that messes with you as a kid. Yeah. And it's actually so childhood is terrifying, Chris. Childhood isn't is terrifying, but um I guess I don't terrifying, but actually this episode, one of these episodes stuck with me. Did it? Because there have been a couple episodes we've watched. Were you afraid of lasers that could change direction and disintegrate I you? I absolutely was. Yeah. Yeah, that was my second most irrational fear <laughs> behind the emerging DeLorean. Um, but no, but that we'll get to that moment. But of course, we're talking about Apocalypse Now, parts one and two. So like the final, the real big reveal of Darkseid and the new mm-hmm. gods and everything coming to Earth. Um, and there's a moment at the end that I always remembered. And when we get to it, I think we'll talk a little bit about why I think that is, because it, it actually is kind of a milestone moment in the DCAU. Um, but before we get there, things happen in the world. They're Have they? Kind of. Yeah, that's comic book news. Yeah. I mean, by the world, I mean comic book news. Like, right. We're not going to start talking anything really sophisticated here. No. It's uh, not us. Did you see that it looks like we might be finally getting that Black Widow movie in 2020? I, You know, I had, a, I had a conversation with someone about that over the weekend. I didn't realize there had been actual news about it. So a writer has been put on board. Um, what's, okay. What's her name? Um, either Jacques or Jack Schaefer. And she wrote Timer, which I vaguely recall something, I think it's like a sci-fi premise about a woman who's got like a, like a literal biological clock. Are you sure you're not thinking of In Time with Justin Timberlake? No, I'm not thinking of In Time. Because I'm thinking of In Time. No, not that. And that's a greatly underrated bad movie. That was pretty good. Um, Was that Alex Garland who wrote that? I have no idea. Okay. Doesn't matter. I just remember him and his mom were the same age and it was really weird. Oh, well, yeah, because everyone's the same age. Yeah. So you stop aging at 30. Yeah. I think, right? Something like that. Oh, my God. I'm so close to stop aging. 
<laughs> you have more years to so go. I got a couple years to you go. You got a few, a few years ago. Yeah, but I mean, I would love to see a Black Widow movie. I think, mm-hmm. especially now that they're doing stuff like Captain Marvel, which is they're going to kind of go period within their own timeline. I feel like the cool thing about Black Widow is you could kind of do it at any point. Yeah. And she is so kind of isolated that you could even do it in like the middle of her being an Avenger and she's just off on her own mission. Mm-hmm. Do great. you think this is Marvel's answer to Wonder Woman? It is absolutely their answer to Wonder Woman. And someone even said they're hoping it'd be bigger than Wonder Woman. And do you think this is their, this is their answer to... Um, is Fox doing... Is Fox or Sony doing Red Sparrow? Which is very clearly the first... Black Widow script, yeah, that Marvel turned down and someone else bought and just changed the names. I think it's Sony. That's funny because the director of that he keeps keeps saying like, no, no, it's like I don't see the comparisons to this of Black Widow. I mean, it, it's it's the story of Black Widow. Yeah, are you excited for that movie, Red Sparrow? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is with Jennifer Lawrence anymore. But there was just like a day. I don't know if you feel the same way. There was a day where I'm just like, I don't really care anymore. She was. She was in everything, and everything was going great for her. And it yeah. might have been... Well, Passengers um, probably didn't help. That was the one, yeah. Pa- I was going to say Gravity, you know, Passengers. Yeah. I was like, I think her bubble popped. And I, think, I don't... I don't I think I'm so. not hyped for her anymore. I think part of it is that her, her career trajectory went so serious so fast. Mm-hmm. Like, even this... And only serious. She and doesn't only do anything serious. else She doesn't anymore. do it. Yeah, and I think that's kind of part of the problem, is that she is very charming and very charismatic mm-hmm. but she only plays roles that are like super hyper serious like watching this her character is obviously deliberately meant to be kind of cold and distant yeah that makes the whole movie seem kind of cold and distant i'm just like i'm not i, I love spy movies i'm just not intrigued by I com- this i compare it to Charlize theron before she did mad max oh okay she, yeah. a, she had a streak of very serious movies and i kind of she kind of just fell off my radar yeah but since then she's been in kind of one of everything yeah she's done a lot of more fun stuff. Yeah, because she did Mad Max. She did um, A Million Ways to Die in the West, which I didn't see. Oh, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> but is she is she good in it? I don't remember. Honestly, I didn't even realize she was in it. Okay, yeah. She's in it. I, I don't mean, remember. Because she can be pretty funny. Like, I've seen her pop mm-hmm. up in random things here and there where she's pretty funny. She was uh, in the Orville. She was in Fast and the Furious 8. Oh, God, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> she was in oh, Atomic Blonde, obviously. Film. So, yeah, I'm not mm, not super excited for Red Sparrow. Am excited though for Black Widow if we actually get it. That'd be great. I'd be uh, very happy if we yeah. finally got that. Um, on the DC front, did you see that Flashpoint finally got some directors? No, who is it? So John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. So they are two of the writers on Spider-Man: Homecoming. Okay, I just rewatched uh, that over the weekend. Still great. It's still a good movie. It's, they also directed the Vacation reboot which apparently was Great. not very good. Great, perfect. And they directed a movie that's coming out in the next few weeks here called Game Night. It's with um, Rachel McAdams and Jason Bateman, where it's like everyone gets together for a game night. And not they... to be confused with... Well, what's the, what was the one that was um, uh, Jason Manzukis and oh, Will Ferrell and... The House? That's The House, that's yeah, right. Where they're okay. on a ga- yeah, because you know, this is like everyone gets together for a Hollywood... Not a Hollywood game night, but a game night, and then... I think someone dies. And they oh don't think, yeah, and they it's, don't it's a murder it's mystery party, and they don't know what's real and what's yeah, part of the game. It yeah. looks kind of fun, um, but I mean, they're they're good writers. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, can they can, can they really go downhill at this point? The DCEU, like, <laughs> is the bar this, set so low? I don't. I mean, with I feel like with new characters, there's always going to be new expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that, that's a good question. Is I don't is, think. 
with Flash, I think it's different because there's already a Flash TV series that has people's expectations. And mm, so they a lot true. of people just want it to be on par with that. I think that's the goal is to be on par can with you, something that's one-tenth the budget. Can you, can you be on <laughs> par with a CW show? Yeah. <laughs> that's um, where we are right now in God, the DCU. That's really where we are, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know to think about that. I still don't think they should be doing Flashpoint, but maybe they're starting to write the ship. Yeah, I mean, maybe, I care more maybe. about Flashpoint than any other DC film coming soon. Except Aquaman. I'm excited I'm very excited for Aquaman, yeah. Jason Momoa. Ezra Miller, I think, I liked him more than I thought I would. Same. Um... Yeah, I was surprised that I the characters I expected not to like I liked, mm-hmm. and the ones that I went in already having positive feelings about I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Mostly Ben Affleck, <laughs> mostly. <laughs> Who might not be? We we got a we got another rumor that's getting more and more traction. Yeah, that that uh, Jake uh, Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal I guess you. yeah. The rumor is that it's, like it's Southpaw. Who's that? Exactly, yeah, Southpaw. It's that it's his role if Affleck steps away. Got it. Which I'm fine with. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be interesting to to finally go back to kind of like a more slender Batman. Yeah, and I so I imagine what this would be then would be set prior to BVS. Okay, would be my assumption because I mean because mm-hmm. Jake Gyllenhaal is a little bit younger, and especially if they're trying to make it all a little bit less intertwined, mm-hmm. that gives them a little more freedom to be like, okay, we're we're gonna go back and play in this space before Superman ever showed up and it's just Batman being Batman in Gotham and he's a little more isolated. Right. And maybe we can pretend that Metropolis isn't just like across the street. <laughs> right. It's not something you can see in the skyline and the in the horizon. Oh Christ, I know. Um other little bit of news right up your alley. Did you see they showed off the rest of the Incredibles cast and they had character portraits to go with them? No, how did I how, miss this? What have you been what? doing? I've been busy doing nothing. Okay, well, luckily I keep these things ready to go. Thank you. Um, so let me scroll down here. Jack Jack. So mm-hmm. obviously we already kn- Helen Parr. Yeah. Oh God, it's one of the okay. Okay. So yes, yeah, so we already knew about, <coughs> of we course, knew. Craig T. Nelson, Bob. I think it's Violet. the same Violet again. Mm-hmm. It's a new Dash. Yeah. Because the guy's getting older, obviously. Sam yeah, Jackson. Sam Jackson. Edna Mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Bob Odenkirk. <gasps> Yay! Oh, no. oh wow, it even looks like him. It I looks love a lot that like drawing. him. Uh, Catherine Keener, who I always love. Jonathan Banks as love him. Was oh, he, he is, is. He's the voice of the agent. Yeah. Uh, was he the original one though? I'm not sure. I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think that that's. I think he might have a bigger role this time as uh, Rick Dicker, but the agent who is in charge like the witness protection for the Incredibles. Yeah. Um, Sophia <gasps> Bush as Void, a new Ooh, hero yay, slash more maybe heroes. villain. Um, Isabella Rosalini as the ambassador. Mm-hmm. And that's it. But so <gasps> I'm excited for. Incredibles. I know a fully <laughs> r- rounded out voice cast there. Uh, I'm super damn excited mm-hmm. for that movie. Cannot wait. Um, I had a few other bits, but I don't know if they're that interesting. Um, <laughs> oh, I read something really interesting. Did you? About, it was one of the justifications for why the Star Wars story group throughout the old canon prior to episode seven. Mm. And it actually had to do with Chewbacca. <laughs> okay. Because in, so with this this writer, part of the story group, what she was saying was that Chewie was a really hard character to include in the novels because he mostly communicates through grunts, mm-hmm. right? So he's a very visual, very auditory character. doesn't work well for books. And so when they realized that they needed to just kind of kill off a major character in general in the books, they killed off Chewie by dropping a moon on him. Uh-huh. haven't read the book, but apparently that's what happens. And they realized that, well, you can't go into episode seven and not have Chewie there. So we can't really keep all this crazy continuity. So 
let's go ahead and just. Scrap I mean, they it. they could have not had Chewie, because I, no. I mean, I I I love Chewie. Yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm playing devil's advocate for a second. How dare you? Disney had to pay for. I already forgot the actor's name, and I feel bad because I've met him, and he's a great person. Peter Mayhew. They had to pay for Peter Mayhew to have like all of this surgery just so he could walk again, because I mean, he'd been in. Yeah, because he uh, he had a cane, and I think the last few years before Star Wars, he was wheelchair bound. Yeah, because uh, I mean, he just couldn't afford the surgery to fix his knees. Well, so then that's good. That's then great. He got yeah. the surgery and he can move around. I mean, also they, I think he actually did very little of Chewie in Episode Seven, mm-hmm. and he's been replaced by the time they got around to Episode Eight. Yeah, um, I forget the name of the guy who replaced him. Something very Scandinavian. It's like Jurgis Flergen. Yeah, nailed it. Flergen. Oh yeah, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, for people who haven't met Peter Mayhew, he's a he's a wonderful gentleman. He wears a giant sterling silver Chewbacca ring. What? And he has a lightsaber cane that he walks around with, and it's amazing. Oh my god, that's I'm so happy to hear that he's cool. He's one of those guys you would want to be cool. Mm-hmm. He uh, so he lives in I think he still lives in Dallas. Okay. Uh, so the first few years of Comic Con, we were always on the same flight back home. Oh wow. And I'd always say like Aww. I always felt so safe because the main characters never die. Oh, that's true. Well, actually, that's not true. I mean, until until seven. And wait, you felt safe because the main characters never. Oh, he would say that about himself. No, I would say that because he was on our flight. Okay, our our plane wasn't going down because he's a main character. Right. Yeah. But then Carrie Fisher died. This was before that. I know, but I'm saying that your I know your, your theory's been proven wrong. Well, I know now. Now I know to specifically not be on his flight. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's yeah, because he's out anyways. Uh, okay, I got one last little bit. All right, I'm ready. Uh, so apparently Ryan Reynolds just signed a first look deal with Fox because of Deadpool. Mm-hmm. And one of the projects that he's working on is a remake of Clue with the same writers as Deadpool. Oh my gosh. Now, it's funny. I was just having a conversation with my friend David yesterday about Clue. Mm-hmm. We're actually, we were playing Clue. It's my favorite board game. And we were talking about how that's been a rumor for a long time. I think like Gore Verbinski at one point had the rights and was attached to direct. And... I would love to see someone take a more serious approach on that material. Oh, interesting. And do like an actual atmospheric, dark murder mystery mm-hmm. rather than doing a comedy. Because the Clue movie is one of my all-time favorites. And it's just I know. That's why I'm so surprised to hear you say that. Well, but that's such a weird angle on that material that I think it'd be... you. Don't, that's something you should remake. You should do something completely different and go like more down-the-line, traditional sort of approach. Do you think, even if it's serious, should they have alternate endings? No. I think so. Just because... So, I mean, it's funny, because that's part of the reason the, the movie didn't do well in the box office originally, was that people got really confused by, what's this multiple endings sort of thing? And <laughs> to be fair, it came out in 85, so that was, like, the time of, like, looking up movies in a newspaper, and it's like, ending A, and you're like, Wait, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. Like, now, if they were to do that, it could still work. But I think that the tact you have to take on that is to make it as different as possible yeah yeah because the magic would be gone immediately because everyone would know after the first day yeah so i mean i guess you could do a multiple ending sort of thing or maybe they'll try out some weird like choose your own adventure thing i don't know how that would work i'd be interested i mean i'd be fine if they did some sort of creative thing like that at the end to approach the multiple endings thing Mm -hmm. i'm saying just steer clear of it being a comedy but i think that's out the window at this point if it's ryan reynolds and deadpool writers Mm -hmm. so i mean i i love him so is this going to come before or after he voices Detective Pikachu? I guess it's coming after he... That's, that's still the weirdest thing. So, it doesn't did make, you watch the trailer? No. The, for the, so the video game trailer came out yeah. uh, a week or two ago. Wait, is he the voice in that as well? Uh, he will be the dub. 
Okay. Uh, but it's just the Japanese right now. We just have the Japanese trailer. Okay. And it's amazing because it's 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 such a deep voice Japanese gentleman voicing this little Pikachu. I, and it's I, I so I mean, I guess you adorable. can't just have a detective Pikachu who only says Pikachu. But yeah. also, I kind of would have loved to have seen that. Yeah. Just like him trying to solve murders and he just keeps saying Pikachu. And I was like, what? But I still wanted to be a deep Pikachu. Deep Pikachu, Pikachu. Pikachu. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> well, let's, let's just get Vin Diesel in. He's used oh to doing gosh. this. Don't even, yeah. don't even put that in my mind because yeah. I want it so much now. <laughs> oh my God. Can you imagine? Vin Diesel I can imagine. is Pikachu. Because he'd paint his face. He'd, he'd draw the little, the red cheeks on before oh, going in to get into character. Would, yeah. Pikachu. Oh my gosh. He'd wear yellow, yellow uh, uh, muscle tees. Yeah. Like two sizes too small. Oh, always. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> still still the white denim though of course yeah yeah maybe have like yellow patches on the on the white denim just get the lines drawn on him to get the look right. yeah oh man that's what i, I want more i want that so badly now oh uh, maybe always hold out hope we have we have to figure out how to get the rock in there though um raichu there's like the rival the rival industry is the rival like detective agency yeah uh it would like be right bulbasaur no it's too easy jigglypuff no, that's the love interest. <laughs> <laughs> also played by The Rock. <laughs> oh, now I'm on board. No. Oh, could you? They hate each other. Could you imagine? I know. <laughs> and The Rock would have to sing the whole time. Oh, now. Okay, I really want to see The Rock play Jigglypuff. Right? I feel like The Rock from three years ago would have done that. I yeah. don't know if The Rock now would. He's too. He's he's kind of too in his head at this point. Yeah, I feel like he's lost his self-deprecation. He would a only if he was in a Pokemon movie. He would have to be like Golem. Yeah. Do you remember who Golem is? From Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh wait, is there is there is there a Pokemon named Golem? We could we could, we could move on to this <laughs> the next segment now. Let's talk about something I know about. <laughs> Superman. The movie Apocalypse Now. The, the Apocalypse. year was 1972. I've actually never seen Apocalypse. Neither have I. I should fix that. No, nah, it's fine. Yeah, what's I the heard point it's of crazy. It? Yeah, I tried to read Heart of Darkness once for class, and I hated it, so I didn't. That's a dense fucking. Is book. that is that the book about the making of the movie or no? The so that's the the short. I guess is like a novella that Joseph Conrad wrote that Apocalypse Now is loose adaptation oh, of. Sorry. But then I think that's the name also the documentary about that's the making yeah, yeah. of Apocalypse Now. Um, so I've never. Which I hear is better than the movie itself. Yeah. I've kind of heard that too, actually, because it's pretty fascinating, all the behind-the-scenes stuff. But yeah, so I've never never read the novella. I've never seen the movie. I've never seen the documentary about the movie. Mm-hmm. Should fix that at some point. Yeah, we'll um, cross off the list. But until then, we'll have to settle for this version of Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. Also known as Apocalypse dot, 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 now. Oh, I was going to say uh, 90s Justice League. Yeah, it is basically the plot mm-hmm. of our modern Justice League film, mm-hmm. but from 20 years ago. And I guess better it, it's a very different take i uh, i would say a little better but just just coming from another angle yeah i first good step just make it a superman story make it, yeah keep it just focus on superman don't bring him back to life in the middle of it i he doesn't need to be in a field no <laughs> or I, have a mustache just just stroking that corn give him a mustache just give him a mustache <laughs> well the nice thing here is they can literally just erase it that's true <laughs> It's so much better. Still can't believe that's a thing. Um, so I didn't, especially the first episode, I didn't really love. But oh, I mean, this, the, it was so boring. It's really boring. I get that it's all set up. Mm-hmm. 
but it's just establishing that Bruno Mannheim is back after I think the last time we saw him was the the tease of Apocalypse. Yeah, I think because they he, he took him to his planet. Yeah, I think he got he got zapped and sent to like the dungeons, right? He got hit with the Omega Beams, but he didn't die. He got sent away to the dungeons. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was the last time we saw him, unless he maybe had a brief cameo in one of the other Apocalypse. No, shows. that was the end of it. Um, Bruno fled. I'm looking up real quick. You know what was great to see in this oh, wait. episode? Um, oh. oh, no, Father's Day was... No, no, okay, so he did have a brief appearance at Father's Day because it was Tools of the Trade was the introduction of... Not a Bruno Mannheim because he popped up with Toy Man way back in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But that was the introduction of him working with Apocalypse. And that's when he gets taken to work with Darcy. He's taken to Apocalypse. I think he does appear briefly in Father's Day, but then he appears here again. Okay. And he's just got Apocalypse technology that he's using to steal from the police, mm-hmm. rob money, which I'm glad they gave a justification for why that was a thing. Because I'm like, this is kind of dumb. Like, this is what he uses this super hover tank for is to steal cash. Yeah. But Dark Side too please about that. Also, I feel like you were saying something and I cut you off. Oh, no, you're fine. I was, I was going to say it's nice that the intro of this episode is the cops doing something on their own. And, and it was really honestly about very it. refreshing to see that they can do stuff without Superman. They can. And they and they were they very cocky about it. To yeah, very really, cocky about it. Well, Dan Dan Turpin's pretty cocky yeah. about the whole thing. He, he did get his ass These, these guys him. need to know when they're in my city, they got to play by my rules. Yeah. And then everything is stolen. And everything's taken away from him. I did love that we get to spend some time with uh, Dan and Maggie Sawyer. Because mm-hmm. that is a really nice friendship. Like, it's clearly laid out as that's a platonic relationship. Yeah. Because also, is that her girlfriend? I would like... So this is 97? This is 97, which makes me like a little bit skeptical of it. But, I mean... When did Ellen come out? That was 96, right? Um... Let me look this up. Because I was wondering about that, too. Because that is kind of like a, a bench. Uh, no, April of 1997. Oh, then probably not. Um, probably. Because this would have been... This was released... Oh, no, February of 1998. Oh, this episode? Yeah. Maybe. So it, it would have been post-Ellen mm-hmm. coming out. So maybe. So there's a small chance. Yeah. I'm also trying to remember, I'm trying to remember when um, Maggie is introduces being a lesbian in the comics i don't know because i mean that's they certain like there is enough ambiguity there that that was my read on it okay what about you i this, didn't sorry this notice. is woman who's just there and, yeah like always with maggie and holding her hand uh i never made that connection i i would have said sister roommate but i'd be much happier for R- roommate roommate yeah. yes <laughs> the roommate the, the la style roommate the kind of roommate that you always bring around to thanksgiving dinner and mm-hmm Listen as everyone asks you, why don't you have a girlfriend? Why don't you have a boyfriend? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That kind of Mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, that kind of roommate. Yeah. Um, uh, so the spaceship attacks uh, the police headquarters. It's run by Inner Gang. Maggie gets hurt. Um, we see Bruno is still working under Dark Side. And then, ba ba da ba, we meet Orion. I love Orion. Yeah, he just kind of pops up. I do like Orion a lot, too. I think mm-hmm. he's a super interesting character. He is a better guy gardener. He, are you just saying that because they're both redheads? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's like they are, they because are they're both nothing like, alike. They're both hotheads. Uh, they're both action first. They don't yeah, really but, think. They don't like to work with other people. But isn't guy gardener kind of incompetent? 
to an extent. Okay. But he's also he's all, he was also a, I think he was a police officer that decided or who became a lantern and just didn't want to work with anyone. Oh, okay. So that's why everyone hates him because he's like super cocky and he like thinks he's better than everyone so he doesn't want to work with anyone. Oh, I don't really know. I don't think I've ever read anything that has Guy Gardner in it actually. Uh, he's horrible. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. He's kind uh, of but fun a, to make fun of. It's kind of just a joke. Oh, yeah. by the way, I'm pretty sure Maggie came out in 1988 in the comics. Oh, wow. So, yes. Um, yeah, so I, I'm. that's my take on it. And, like, I think they were deliberately ambiguous there because it does look like it could be a sister. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure that's what they're going for there, which is really awesome. Yeah. I was not expecting that. Good I was, for you, 90s DC. <clears throat> and a yeah. kid's show, too. Yeah. I mean, one could... Well, I can't say that it's better than the comics because... Yeah, I mean, DC kind of fucked up that whole thing with mm-hmm. Batwoman. Yeah. Such a shame. That's a great series, and it doesn't have an end. God. Was Damn it. the first... No, because they didn't even kiss in Korra. Oh, yeah, because Korra's bisexual? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because end, at the end of the series, she ends up with the Sami. Spoilers for anyone who hasn't watched Korra, but you should watch Korra. Well, I haven't watched Korra. That's too bad. She ends up with the Sami. <laughs> uh, and as they like lean in to kiss, the camera pans up. And then it goes to credits. Okay. It made a lot of fans upset. It made so many fans upset that we found out that Mike and Brian, the original creators, actually had uh, the studio, um, uh, uh, I don't remember the, the animation studio anymore. They finished animating that scene, but Nick said they couldn't put it up. And so they posted that act, that last like three seconds of the scene on Tumblr. Aww. And of course the world went crazy. Yeah. It was a great moment. It was a great moment for the fans. Wait, have we have we had a there must have been some animated show that's had like actual gay kissing, gay lesbian kissing um, at this point, right? Maybe not a kids show. But um the 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 closest one I think would be Steven Universe. Yeah. I don't think there was a kiss, but you know that it was a um it was a um uh homosexual relationship. Okay. Well, hey, progress. Yeah. We're getting there. We're we're moving forward. So- Slowly Keep getting there. moving forward. <laughs> yeah. Um, so meet Orion. Yeah. So, uh, and then they just, they go and attack this military base. And I get, we, so we eventually learn that the attack of the military base is a distraction. So Darkseid can set off this, um, it's not quite a nuclear bomb. It's more than that, really, mm-hmm. at a power station. But I feel like we needed some sort of justification for why they're attacking the military base in the first place. I feel like it just sort of starts happening and people show up to fight. Yeah. But I didn't really know what the motivation there was. Like, I didn't feel that there was any real stakes in that scene because I didn't know why they were there to begin with. Right. I I did not like the scene at all. It, you, it was no. basically a reason for Orion to come in and show off some cool gadgets. Yeah. And, and even, he leaves. And then he doesn't do... Yeah, he doesn't do much. He like, helps a little bit. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to head out. And here's mm-hmm. this little gadget thing that eventually is going to break and you're going to be stranded. Yeah. And it, it, I like, I like the last minute twist with the bomb going off, um, and no one being prepared for it, and mm-hmm. then like thinking they've won and then losing a little that moment of hubris. Yeah. Um, I guess it kills Bruno Mannheim. I think so. Yeah, it's weird because he just kind of gets thrown off of his boat. Mm-hmm. Like he's not really killed, but he never pops up again. I looked it up. So he's gone. So I guess that's the end of that. Okay. Bye. It's kind of weird. Sorry, it's Bruno. Just, it just, it, I, 
you know, I felt the, like the whole first episode just felt really weird. The 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 saving grace I will say is the or we learn about the origins of New Genesis this and Apocalypse. True. Yeah. Which was nice because I have known about the two planets for most of my life through Justice League. Yeah. But I never knew their origins until this episode. I never looked it up for some reason. Yeah, I, I did a bit more research on it, too, because I just kind of <clears> knew vague things about it. But yes, we, we learned that they'd just been at war forever and that part of their peace treaty was exchanging firstborn sons. Mm-hmm. Between the two leaders. So Apocalypse yeah. and um, Father. High um, Father. High Father. Yeah. So I, I'm glad they settled that stuff up because obviously it matters in these two episodes and then they come back again. We actually spend time on New Genesis and Justice League, mm-hmm. which I think that's most of my experience with... The, there's a Justice League and a JLU episode. That's right. Because there's yeah. the Mr. Not Mr. Terrific. Um, the question? No. No. Uh, he He's um, the the escape artist. Mr. Miracle. Mr. Miracle. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because we see him in the background. Yeah. We see him. We see Big Barda. Mm-hmm. Um, see a bunch of people. Almost bunch. everyone that's yeah. in the background um, shows up in JLU, which is, is awesome. Ambush Bug, I think, right? Is the, the guy with the red face? I don't remember. I think it's his name. Yeah. They all kind of pop up in the background. Um, that in, was a nice little in part two. I that love was that. that was really cool, yeah. And I'm glad we get some more time with them later. But yeah, it I kind of felt like they they had a lot they could have worked with here and they didn't do much with it. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't do much with Mannheim, with Darkseid, with Orion. Um it all felt kind of filler and like just action sequences for the sake of action, even though there is interesting story to be told here. Mm-hmm. Do you want to quickly skim through part two and then talk yeah. about what we would? Yeah, that's a good point. Let's go ahead. Yeah, because um, we we find out that the the bomb that went off is basically sending this column of energy down into the core of the planet that's going to then uh, erupt fire pits all over the planet, so it's going to mm-hmm. become like apocalypse. Right. Um, and then Superman. I did like that sequence when he he stops it by just like diving in and out of the water and drilling holes. That was it was. I like it, but it was a little confusing. As a child, I don't think I would have understood what he was doing. It's a little confusing. It's a little too convenient. It just it had a cool look to it, I guess. And it's a very Superman thing to do. Just mm-hmm. like spin in circles and dig holes in the ground. Yeah. Um, and then one thing I did like, though, is because this thing has gone off, like the sky has turned red. Very Batman yeah. style. And that gave the whole thing a completely different color palette that I really, really liked. Mm-hmm. It made you feel like the world was actually in peril and the stakes had gotten increased because it's not just a big, bright, beautiful blue sky that we always get out of Metropolis. Mm-hmm. But so that, that was kind of cool. Oh, did you spot the, the cameo, if you will call it that, of the Hall of Justice? No. Yeah, when the... When, oh, yeah, so when Steppenwolf shows up... You're right, Steppenwolf's in this for talk about a on minute. That. Yeah, um, when there's fighting going on down the streets... Superman is fighting, I think, some of the parademons, and he's fighting in front of a building that looks just like the Hall of Justice. Oh, that's awesome. Which I think didn't... Doesn't the Hall of Justice appear by the time they get to JLU? Do they have a building that looks like the Hall of Justice? I know that's I true in Young so. Justice. Yeah, because that's the front. It's, it's more of the yeah. museum. I don't remember. I, I want to say no, because they've always had the watchtower. Yeah, I guess they always did have the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe we didn't get that, but I thought that was kind of, kind of fun there. Um... Yeah, and then so yeah, Steppenwolf just shows up. And I think it's it, only noteworthy because we know of him from Justice League. Right. Because even in this, he is completely inconsequential. Mm-hmm. He just shows up and leaves He's just a the stronger army. parademon, at, yeah. basically. And he gets defeated pretty quickly. And then he falls into the ocean 
and then we, we don't never s- see him again. It's, I guess it's very frustrating. It is. It it feels like because they didn't need to bring him. No, I don't understand why he didn't send Calabac. I guess so. Calabac makes an appearance. Yeah, just so we can see because they, they don't say that he is a high father's son, but wait. Right? Isn't Calabac High Father's son? No, 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 no. Calabac is Darkseid's firstborn. Orion is his secondborn, and Orion was given to High Father oh, to be right. raised. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So that's the interesting about Orion is he is from Apocalypse, and he is Darkseid's actual son. But because he was raised on New Genesis, he believes in New Genesis and kind of follows their philosophy, mm-hmm. and he fights for them. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. I was wrong. <laughs> but I don't understand why Calabac... I, you don't need to introduce another character. I, I think maybe... I would have rather had Calabac, like, sneak out. Yeah. Like, I, after he says no, Calabac comes out, and then then it makes sense for him to just be defeated, and then he's off on the side. Yeah. I guess they just put him in there because I think they were just trying to get more... Toys. New gods. <laughs> no, I mean, because they weren't really making a lot of Superman toys. Well, they actually, they, they were, but I think he might, would have been even too obscure. <laughs> I think we only got, like, one dark side toy. I Did you get that get stepfather a... toy? <laughs> The stepfather toy? <laughs> Did you get the Pa Kent toy? <laughs> no, the, the werewolf. The step werewolf. The step, yeah. The, yeah, the fast step and werewolf. Yeah, I... Yeah. He had nothing Was that to a do- song from Mary Poppins? <laughs> step in time? Step and wolf, step and wolf. <laughs> it's like my favorite song from Mary Poppins. Uh, yeah, he... I don't know why he's there. And again, I think it only matters to us because he was like the main antagonist of Justice League. And again, why? And so I, I looked him up because like there's got to be something interesting no. about Steppenwolf. There's really there's nothing. There's really not. Like his his Wikipedia entry is very very short. So the only thing I got from him was that he is Darkseid's uncle in the comics. They they okay. they don't really have a clear relationship um, in the the cartoon here. So I can't really say much about it that. Seems like some kind of military leader. Yeah, he's just some sort of general guy. Um, so the kind of interesting thing is, so yeah, so I, I don't necessarily know why Apocalypse and New Genesis have always been at war, but they've basically always been at war. And so at one point, uh, Steppenwolf leads an invasion of New Genesis, and he stuns High Father and kills his wife. Ooh. No, sorry. Darkseid stuns High Father and yeah, kills okay, the wife. So then knowing that High Father would take revenge on Steppenwolf, and he does, he kills him, and that allows Darkseid to rise to power. That is the only really noteworthy thing I came up with about... Steppenwolf, and that's part of neither this nor Justice League. Got it. That's basically all we got. Perfect. Also, he's kind of got a stupid look in this. I think it's too. better than than the movie. It is better than the movie. But the he's movie, like a dark Robin Hood. Yeah, the movie is actually more accurate because normally he does have like the kind of big horns going on and this big battle axe. Yeah. Um. Yeah. None of none of that here. He's just some really silly looking guy on a scooter with a sword. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't really quite get that. And I did like. When Superman gets captured, that was that was dark. I liked that. Yeah, and he's like beat up. His costume will turn up, and he's just strapped at the front of this massive tank that's rolling through Metropolis. And you know, I mean, it is a really powerful image of defeat on the part of Earth because he is the greatest defender they have, mm-hmm. and he's been beaten and shamed. And then Batman shows up. <laughs> oh, man. I, I couldn't... You be- chose the wrong hero, Were you asshole. wondering? Were you wondering where's Batman in <clears throat> all this? Did no. that thought cross your mind? No. I really noticed that this time, where I feel like this is big enough that Batman would have done something. Oh, absolutely. Because he, he never likes to back down from a fight. If anything, he likes to show up and prove how great he is about everything. Mm-hmm. 
So that's fine. We'll have to just wait a few years before we get his awesome interaction with Darkseid. Uh, sorry, jumping back two steps. Uh, according to the Wikipedia article, uh, there is no actual reason that New Genesis and Apocalypse are fighting. Yeah, they're it says just... they're locked in an internal war symbolizing the struggle of good and evil on a grand mythic scale. Yeah. that Great. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks. That, yeah. Thanks, I, Jack Kirby. Yeah, I don't think Jack Kirby ever really gave a reason. I think you just want to tell a story about two planets at war with each other, and mm-hmm. so he never really went to why. Um, but, you know, so, like, the this image of Superman on top of the tank, like, that's really effective. Yeah, like really, me, like, broken, too. Yeah. Because the, the suit's ripped off. You, the S is, is gone. Yeah. Which I think is the most symbolic thing. Yeah, and he, I mean, he looks like he would after, like, the Doomsday fight, for example. Like, mm-hmm. he's that beat up. Um, I did find, though, that everything turned a little bit too quickly. Oh, yeah. Where it's just Darkseid's like, I've defeated your champion. You guys are fucked. And then Turpin's like, nah. I also like Dark. going back another half step, I like Darkseid's speech to Superman before he beats him up. Of you can either be a knight, you can either be a knight oh, for me, yeah. or a, you can either be a knight or a pawn. Mm-hmm. But either way, you're going to work for me. Yeah. And like that's that's a good line. I like that. Uh, oh, that comes back around, actually. Doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Does Superman move two spaces forward and one to the side? He does. Okay. Fact. Yes, he, he decides he's going to become a knight. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he only moves in L's everywhere yes. he goes, which really pisses off Luther, who like really capitalized on that double. Right, L thing. I, that was yeah. his thing was the L's. He yeah. doubled up on Lex Luthor. He takes yet another thing away from Lex <laughs> Luthor. I get it. I understand why they hate each other. Yeah, it's it all, makes so much it's, sense. It's all an ego thing. It's really yeah. what it comes down to. But yeah, I thought it all turned a little bit quickly, where all of a sudden just Turpin's <clears> like, "No, we're gonna fight back," and they start fighting back. And I get why that had to happen, and. Overall, I like how that plays out, but it just seemed a little rushed. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, I, this this whole ending I didn't like, because where the fuck did Orion go? So he, he did say he was going back to New Genesis to report on what had happened. Yeah, I get it, but like, get back to the fight. He did, technically. Barely. He, he chewed... He shooed Darkseid away. Well, he like, hey, we have more, we have more people now. I mean, he shows up with the entire might of the new Genesis army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Like, that's you know, and I think because doesn't he declare that they've doesn't Orion say that Earth is now under their protection, so Mm -hmm. that to continue aggression would be an act of war against New Genesis. Yeah, yeah. And Darkseid is smart. He knows when to make a strategic retreat. Yes. Um, and he gets his last little fuck you in. Oh, that, that hurt. It did, yeah. Because so on his way out, um, like, Darkseid's defeated and everyone's kind of te- like, oh, yeah, so Turpin frees Superman. Mm-hmm. And then um, Darkseid retreats and he gets his one final shot in by firing the Omega Beam and it goes around Superman. Yeah, that's the first time we see it change course. Yes, Cause yeah, because we, we've only seen the Omega Beam a few times up to this point. Yeah, and it basically just goes straight. Yes. And now we see that it can't ever miss. Yeah, it goes around and it takes out Turpin. And so that's the moment that I always remembered as a kid was the death of Dan Turpin. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the reason it stuck with me is this is, in essence, the first on-screen death we get in the Absolutely. DCAU. Yeah. So I was in shock when he when he was just gone. Yeah, because that's something they really shied away from. I mean, you even look at the previous episode with Bruno Mannheim. We presume he's killed in that ensuing blast, but we don't see it happen on screen. Mm-hmm. And even before, when he got hit with the Omega Beams, he just got teleported and not killed. 
this is the first time someone dies in front of us. Yeah. And I found it really effective. Hmm. Oh, they needed it. Yeah. Marvel, take fucking notes. They, <laughs> it's okay they're to dead, kill your they're char- dead. It's okay to kill your character. Coulson, he's dead. Fury, he's dead. Iron Man, uh, fine, he can come back He's once. gonna come back, yeah. Um, I mean, we got the time gem now. I feel like people are gonna die and get brought back to life. Yeah. It's gonna happen. I have theories. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So many theories. So many theories. But yeah, I... I really like that moment. Like, mm-hmm. it is very emotionally affecting. The funeral is mm-hmm. as well, although I don't know why Alexa's there. To show his support. I mean, he's he still has... It's really just, like, our perspective, because we're on Superman's perspective, that Lex is a bad guy. Pretty much everyone To the public. Lex. I mean... Really? I mean, like, Lois and the rest of the Daily Planet are always trying to go after him. I'm but again, sure... we're, we're looking at it from people that know... Like the cops? Inside Lex. <laughs> I think the cops aren't super cool with him either. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about from, like, a citizen of Metropolis. Yeah. I feel like... They see Lex like we see like um, uh, a Warren Buffett. Is he's just that rich guy that sometimes does some stuff? Okay, I think I think maybe we have slightly warmer feelings towards Warren Buffett than the people of Metropolis <laughs> must have towards. I mean, he's not the right. He's Lex. not the right example. No, no, but I know what you mean. Yeah, he's just like maybe he's. Um, I don't want to say Elon Musk esque, where it's like everyone kind of knows who he is, and from mm-hmm. it's one way of looking at it, he's really doing really good stuff. The other part of it, he's like designing artificial intelligence that'll probably kill us one day. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a a grander, a grander scale. I'm gonna say people look at him like we saw Trump in the early 2000s or 90s, early 2000s. Like he's just a rich guy with a big mouth. Um, they can kind of do whatever he too wants. Too far off. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I'm sure there are some people that respect him. There's probably a lot of people that make fun of him. Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that he is the Trump. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I think Trump is the Lex Luthor now at this oh, point. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this now point. it's a perfect flip because um, he is also president. Yeah, it, yeah, it just all comes full circle. Yeah, it. Okay, so I guess it's kind of justified that he's there because I I remember he shows up during Superman's funeral in Justice League. Mm-hmm. And I like how they handle that there because Lois like comes up and slaps him. Yeah, it's a great moment. Where he's like, "You may not believe me when I say this, but I'll actually miss him too." And you're like, "I actually do kind of believe him mm-hmm. in that exact moment." But also, he's probably just pissed because he didn't get a chance to do it himself. Right. <laughs> well, it's it's that they they bring it up in in Red Sun. It's also that thing between Joker and Batman. It's, yeah. He he doesn't like the conflict, but he likes the he likes challenging himself. Yeah. That he. He no longer has an equal. Exactly. It pushes him forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think I agree with you that I don't I don't like the real quick turnaround of the wrap-up, but basically everything from Dan's death on I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. The funeral scene, even that final So the shot. last minute. <laughs> the last minute of the whole episode, yeah. Like, I like one-twentieth of this yeah. episode. I mean, a lot of it's just kind of pointless, but it does end like on a nice note with them out there at the funeral and Superman is like standing there, the sun's setting behind him and he's kind of in silhouettes and next to the grave and mm-hmm. the one um, manly tear, the one manly tear. How did you feel about his reaction to Dan's death though, with him beating the shit out of the tank? I liked it. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it, it could have been bigger. Yeah. That's it. Okay. That's an interesting note. Um, because I, I mean, that's the first time he's lost someone. It's yeah. the first time he's lost. That's true, yeah, and he doesn't know how to handle it very well. Because I would have, I would have loved to see Batman lose someone. Um, 
which we mm. kind of do later, but he handles it much better when, when yeah. Ace passes. Oh, yeah. That's such a um, sweet I know. God damn it. But, like, but he ex- he knew Ace was going to die. Yeah. If it was, like, a, a super unexpected, like, not, um, I don't want Gordon, but if, like, um, uh, oh, I forgot his name. Who's the fat one? Bullock. Bullock. Like, if Bullock died, yeah. I would love to see Batman's reaction to that. Oh, that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would be upset. Because that's, that's kind of the comparison. Yeah. It's they never liked each other, but they, they kind of depended on each other. Yeah, I think Dan and Superman liked each other a little bit more. But that's, yeah. that's, yeah, that's a pretty fair comparison there. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, God, I had a thought. Because it? also Superman was ready to take the shot, and I think that was the other thing. Oh, it's like, part of it he, too. Yeah, he is the one that takes the bullets for the people. That's yeah. always been his role. He stands between the the, the civilians and the baddies. Mm-hmm. And when that when the Omega beam just kind of jumped around him, he was he he saw the flaw in himself of no longer being able to be that perfect wall. Yeah, and he. I like how they handle that moment when he's beating the shit out of the tank because it is, you recognize it's sad and it's also just really futile. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is kind of childish. Yeah. Which I think kind of works. Um, he is, that's when those moments, like the kind of the big boy scout mentality actually kind of sh- like shines through in a really interesting way. Um, it kind of reminds me of like in the, the Christmas episode when mom and pa have talked about how to wrap all of his presents in lead. Cause he oh had, yeah. Even as an adult, he was still there and kind of spy. It's like at his heart, he is kind of a big kid in some ways. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't know how to handle that grief. Right. It's a really good moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just found that all of it very emotionally affecting in a way that I don't know if we've seen quite as well. I, w- I would have wanted Lois to play a bigger part. In, in the whole episode. Oh, yeah, she's not because, there at all, is she? I know. She? Was she ever? <laughs> no, yeah, well, um, there's that, too. Because I would have loved for her to have to talk him down. Mm-hmm. Because there's a great... Weirdly enough, this is episode three of, of Avatar The Last Airbender, but there's a great moment where Aang... Um, if you don't know the story, Aang's frozen iceberg for 100 years. There's a big war that happens. Kind of Cap style? Yeah. Okay. Um where he doesn't realize that he's been gone for so long. And so he goes back to his temple, the, the Southern Air Temple, to go see his master. And when he gets there, he finds out that it was destroyed by the Fire Nation. And you see all of the skeletons of his former monks. Holy shit. And he, yeah, this is episode three of a wow. child series. Is that why he's the last airbender? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that explains that now, doesn't it? Doesn't it? <laughs> um and so you see him lose his emotions, mm-hmm. and and Katara has to be there, who's who's kind of the the on again off again love interest of the series, um, who has to like talk him down, and that's a that's a repetitive theme throughout the show, mm-hmm. is whenever he loses it, someone else has to be the one to bring him back. Oh, interesting. Uh, and so out of love for Lois to have to to be that person, like she, it's like fear and compassion combined. Of like, she has to get in the danger zone of yeah. Superman. Yeah, I mean, you're right. She could have just literally, like, walked up and, just, like, put her hand on his shoulder, and that mm-hmm. would have been enough for him to just stop. Yeah. And kind of realize what he was doing. Right. Hmm. That would have been really nice. Wouldn't it? Yeah. God. But yeah, there's there's a number of things I feel like they could have done. A, I guess they a, did that in, in Man of Steel, because she comes up and hugs him after he's holding <laughs> Zod's head. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, there's that. 
Oh, That's not good. It you know, but it is interesting. We're we're talking about the the parallels between this and Justice League because it's basically more or less the same plot. Mm-hmm. Like there's a massive alien invasion of parademons. Um, Steppenwolf is there for a minute. Steppenwolf is just there to be there. Um, they're trying to turn Earth into apocalypse. Mm-hmm. That's elements the same there as well. Yep. Um, I feel like this did a better job though of dealing with what it would be like for normal people to be there because they're actually like, standing there fighting the parademons, not just like hiding out in a house trying to find a can of hey, raid. Seriously, that girl had bug spray. The girl had bug spray. She's ready to fight. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny, Chris? Yeah. She had bug spray. Laugh she at it. She sprayed it. Laugh, goddammit. We're going to play that joke for you three times. So you better like it. This is clearly written by Joss Whedon, <laughs> so you have to love it. Um, I know, we're, I know we're, we're a little short on time, but um, are Ooh. there elements from this that you would like to have seen in the live action version. If we could have merged these two, what's the story you would have liked to see? I mean, I th- I think the problem with Justice League was that this wasn't a story that necessarily needed the whole Justice League. Mm-hmm. Like we even we had that comment of like, well, where was Batman? This sort of thing, right? But Dark Side was always a super well, not actually, he wasn't always Superman villain, but when they stopped making the n- New Gods comics, they shifted him more towards Superman. Mm-hmm. And I think he and Superman are a great villain pairing. Um, not quite as interesting as him and Lex, but it's just different enough that I really like the two of them. And I think yeah. the rest of this series does a good job of incorporating the Justice League into their dynamic. But at the end of the day, it still comes down to Superman and Darkseid. Mm-hmm. Like the, the final battle in the whole universe is between the two of them. So I, Which I'm so excited for in Justice in the animated Justice League. Oh my god, I know. I, the best the I best Superman speech. I can't, I can't wait to get to I live in a it's paper the, town it's the full very of paper end. people. That's so good. I can break with a flick. Yeah. I it you know, I just think so part of it was that with the new fifty two, Darkseid was the first villain that all of them went up against. Mm-hmm. And they tied him a lot more into those other characters. Like Cyborg beforehand was just a normal Cyborg, but starting with the new 52. Now he's a mother box. Now he's associated with the mother box. The thing is they mentioned mother boxes here. They're just mm-hmm. sentient computers. I don't know how they got this, the whole crazy thing with Justice League, and I don't even really understand how they worked in that movie, so it doesn't matter. I think the movie, it shouldn't have been, well, it shouldn't have been Steppenwolf. If right. they're going to do Dark Side, they should have just gone full on Dark Side. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think one of the things that it was missing was that moment like this had where it really did seem like all was lost because Earth's champion was taken out. Yeah. Like that is a really affecting moment. And I think having something like that, um, having the invasion be more public too, because it was kind of just isolated off in that one random spot. Yeah. Which was their weird way, I think, of getting around the problems of say like, Man of Steel, where just everyone dies. Mm-hmm. But to really feel the stakes, they should have had something like that. So I think that's probably the number one thing I would have liked yeah. was uh, that moment of Superman being but captured. D- d- I would all that too. Just to play devil's advocate, though. How dare you? I'm sorry. I like to look at all perspectives. Um, I would have felt less um, emotional about Superman's capture in this because of Batman versus Superman before we already see him get bested um, and seeing him just like constantly mm, being yeah. be- and, and in Man of Steel, we see him get bested. Yeah. And so it would have been 
kind of boring at this point if they did do that in the movies. I would still want it. Yeah. But I'm just saying it wouldn't have the same emotional impact as this one did. Because this is the first time we actually see Superman like bested for good. Yeah. True. Yeah. And I guess it makes sense too because part of the problem with the movie is that he's relatively new to Earth and mm-hmm. they kind of retroactively gave him this this deep love and this fandom and this this worldwide renown. But that wasn't there in Man of Steel, wasn't there in BVS. Mm-hmm. He has he's been around for what, like six months or something like that? Is it that short? I, I guess so. I mean, I, I, how much time passed I don't I mean I've only seen them I've only seen BVS once. I don't know how long much time has passed between when he shows up in Man of Steel and when Batman goes back. Enough time for a for a fucking statue to go up for him. Yeah, but I don't think he was around. I don't. I I don't think. I think maybe it's been a year timeline wise in Justice League from when he died to when he comes back. Maybe roughly. Maybe not even that actually. I don't even think it's that. No, it's it's a it's a drastically reduced timeline. Even in well, I'm saying between Man of Steel and uh, BVS, there's that statue because do gods bleed? Yeah, but I don't think there was that much time because. Just a real fast statue building. Well, because Batman... That's what Metropolis like, is known for. Is yeah. There, <laughs> is there speedy statue. Well, statues. Superman builds it. That's why it goes up oh, so right. quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Someone else commissioned it. He just goes along with it. Yeah. It doesn't matter who it is. But, I mean, you know, Bruce... This isn't for me. This yeah, is for the people. For you. I'm the doing this for people. the people of Metropolis. Yeah. Not for some kind of ego trip. Yeah. But, I mean, Bruce sees the fight with Zod, and then... I don't think there's that much time for them him to turn around and get his shit together then go after him. You don't like you don't basically be like, oh, there's this giant godlike person who's out of control and then like I'm just gonna chill a couple of years for I'm gonna go. wait to figure just, this just out. Gonna, I'll say later. I'm gonna say a year. Maybe, maybe a about year a year mm-hmm. between the start of Man of Steel and the end of Justice League. Yeah, maybe right around there. But I mean, that's I think in in this show it's been what two or three years. Mm-hmm. Something like that, and the thing is, it's right from the beginning. Everyone loves him. That's what big difference too. Yeah, and I think part of that comes with how his introduction is done. Like in the animated series, he shows up and saves. Like it's the classic Superman reveal. He saves like a crashing plane. Mm-hmm. That was one of my biggest problems always with Man of Steel. Was the first time that the world sees him as Superman, it's him like floating in front of a military base. And like this whole point of Superman is that he always has this big grand introduction. Like even uh, Superman Returns did a great job with that. Mm-hmm. It was reappearance. It is this huge milestone moment for everybody. And I always thought that was just a little bit too quiet of an appearance. And I think that, you know, in that universe, the first time people really see him is when he's destroying the city. People just like woke up one day and looked at the window. And there's these two guys flying around beating the shit out of each other and killing everybody. Yeah. That's not how that works. It's just not Superman. It's not my Superman. It's not my Superman. <sighs> not my Kal-El. No. And that's sadly still the second best DCEU movie. <laughs> Fuck me. Okay. What a streak. <laughs> what a streak they're on. Um, I did have some notes, though. I did some, a little research. Do you want to hear about the new gods? I would love to. Okay. So, obviously, this is all about Jack Kirby, because he even gets a shout-out. It's like in memory of him at the end, because he did all of this. He even created Bruno Mannheim. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, but it all was created in the 70s, including Steppenwolf, including Bruno Mannheim. And he was kind of one of the first guys that wanted to create a finite series. Like, he was like, hey, I'm not sure if this this model of the weekly thing or monthly comics is going to work out. Let's write a series. 
that is has a definitive endpoint. So he's and, the father of the miniseries. Yeah, kind of. And they didn't really let him do that, sadly. But he really wanted <laughs> to create something that would be finite and then could be bound and then people could just go and buy it. That's awesome. Um, you know, I mean, I think I feel like Watchmen might have been one of the first real big ones to do that. But this idea that it could just kind of exist on its own is not this big, long, ongoing continuity. And he was really unhappy at Marvel because, I mean, he basically created a lot of the characters that mm-hmm. show up in the Marvel comics. Like, I forget where I read or heard about this, but one of the the kind of running theories about what Marvel was like at that time was Stan Lee, like, writing everything. Mm-hmm. I think maybe you told me about this. That Maybe. Or maybe this was Weekly Planet. Regardless, that with Marvel, a lot of times they basically just went to the writer, or the artist, like, draw whatever you want, and then we'll just add a story to it later. So that the... The artists like Jack Kirby created a lot of these characters and actually did a lot of the writing mm-hmm. and weren't getting credit for it. So he wanted to tell this big sweeping story and it was supposed to go into a Thor comic. And he just realized he wasn't going to have the creative freedom or also the credit there. So he goes to the rival DC and it's like, hey, I've got this idea. And they let him do it, but then it was popular enough that they didn't let him give it like the definitive <laughs> ending that he wanted in Poor the Jack. first place. Which kind of sucks, but so it's the whole thing. Do you know, is, do you know around what time, what year this was? So it was like seventy one to seventy three was when okay. the the New Gods comics were being written. Okay, so this is if you remember your comic history, the sixties are obviously when Marvel blew up. Yeah, uh, DC was losing so much money in the mid to late sixties mm-hmm. because besides Batman and Superman, no one cared about DC. They only yeah. cared about the Marvel characters because they were relatable, mm-hmm. which leads into the Teen Titans story about how oh, Teen right. Titans saved it. Yeah. And so that makes sense for them to, if anyone from Marvel pitched anything to DC, they would immediately say yes because yeah, they, they just wanted that Marvel talent. Yeah, because th- I think this is, I mean, because Kirby is most associated with Marvel for obvious reasons. Yeah. It's like everything, like X-Men, Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, like, he was drawing all of those. The mm-hmm. Avengers, like, he did all of that. So they brought him over, and he just wanted to tell that epic story of good versus evil. And so it was Darkseid versus High Father, who's also called Isaiah. So that's a pretty obvious reference to Isaiah. But he was modeled after, like, Zeus and Odin, mm-hmm. sort of these figures. And, um, yeah, I already told the story about how Steppenwolf attacked and was killed, and that's how Darkseid came to power. And then they talk about that here, the peace treaty, they exchanged sons. Now, what they don't mention in the cartoon is that the the child that high father gave up a dark side is scot-free mr miracle right that that was the one okay. yeah so that's the whole thing is that you know high father raised orion like his own child and that's how he became you know sided with new genesis but dark side like just constantly imprisoned and tortured scot-free and that's how he became the world's greatest escape artist mm-hmm. um i've actually heard that the the current run of Mr. Miracle I heard is like it's really the greatest good. thing. Yeah. It was listed, IO9 listed as our best comic of 2017. Oh, wow. So I've been meaning to go and check it out, but apparently it's great. And I guess mm-hmm. it, it draws a lot of inspiration. It feels like those comics back in the day when Kirby was writing it. That's awesome. Because it was, um, when he was writing them, it was, uh, so it's all called The Fourth World, which I didn't know that. That's just a general term to describe it. But what were, they? okay, it was The Forever People, Mr. Miracle, and The New Gods, like the three titles. Yeah. That came out of all of this. Um, but yeah, and so. I looked a bit about Dark Side too, because I just kind of I know him mostly from the cartoon. Same. I've read he shows up, he's kind of the main villain in the reintroduction of Supergirl from the Superman Batman comics from like 2004. Okay. Roughly right around there. I have it. It's really good. Um, that was ad- adapted into Superman Batman Apocalypse, the animated film. 
Did you see that yes. one? Yes, yes, I did. Okay, yeah. It's mm-hmm. a pretty faithful adaptation, too. So he's the main villain in that. Um, but so I guess his actual name is Uxus or Uxus. It's U X A S. No, it's, it's real dumb. It's Dark Side. But so um, he wasn't always that like big stone creature thing. So he was this guy, Uxus or whatever, and he grew up on Apocalypse. But he killed his brother named Drax <laughs> to obtain the Omega Force. And that's what turned him into the big rock creature. That's where oh. he then adopted the name Dark Side. And possessing that gave him like the omnipotence that he uses all the time. That's what gave him the Omega Beams and made him super powerful. So he's technically not immortal. Mm-hmm. High Father is. Dark Side's technically not immortal, but he's just a real tough fucking bastard. He's like a demigod. Yeah, I think it's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, he's pretty much a demigod. Um, and so they talk about this in here that he wants the the anti-life equation. Although they don't really say what it is. So luckily, Wikipedia did. Thanks, Wiki. I know. And so what Darkseid wants to do, he wants to end all free will in the universe and reshape it in his own image. So just the classic despot mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, but the anti-life equation gives him complete control over thoughts and emotions of people. Interesting. And the reason he's obsessed with Earth in particular is he believes that the components of the anti-life equation are collectively spread out through the human population. That's the justification for why he keeps coming back to Earth and keeps trying to invade it and take it over. Um, I looked up what happened with him in terms of like Final Crisis, because I know he's, he's really involved in that. Mm-hmm. And then his reintroduction to New 52, it got so fucking complicated, I just stopped taking Final notes. Crisis is... I remember reading Final Crisis. You read Final Crisis, right? I did. I couldn't tell you a single thing about it anymore. I, I, it was supposed to be like the big final battle, finally... I just remember everyone dies. Yeah. Everyone's gone. Yeah, because it's him and Orion face off and i think they both end up dying and he zaps superman or he zaps batman but that's how batman gets teleported back in time mm-hmm. rather than being killed and it goes my favorite series after that i still haven't read it i need to read it at some point just just the covers are all you need to see yeah there's like so... pirate batman pilgrim batman caveman batman mm-hmm. so he, like he got teleported way back in time then keeps time jumping and we yeah. get these various iterations um did i ever tell you what the first time i read final crisis maybe uh i knew nothing about comics I, I oh, that's bought, you like started there. Yeah, less, I started right? with Final Crisis. Oh Jesus, man! Because of G four, I remember this. Because oh, okay. Attack of the yeah. Show, which was my favorite show growing up, um, they would do every week. They would do a comic pull. Okay. Uh, and uh, Blair Butler, who was a writer, mm-hmm. um, also friends with with our good friend uh, uh, Chad Fogland. Oh, good old Chad. Mm-hmm. Uh, she would always talk about the comics of the week, and she's like, everyone has to read Final Crisis. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, there's a comic store that's in bike riding distance. And so I rode my bike, and I bought issues, not even issue one, I bought issues two, three, and four. uh, Because I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, clearly. I was, I want to say 12 or 13. Uh, And my friend Dylan was over, and we would... Uh, we weren't allowed to turn the page until we knew everyone on that page. Oh, Jesus. So reading the first Christ. issue took us all night. Oh, my God. Because we would look at someone's like, do you know who that is? And we'd have to look up the Wikipedia article. And it was such an exhausting process. Uh, you would have been 15, by the way. It was 2008. Okay. Yes. Let me tell you about your life, Cameron. Please do. I don't know how <laughs> old I am. I've been seven for so long. Forever, yeah. <laughs> Everyone else is going to stop aging at 30. You stopped aging at Mentally, I stopped Stopped at at 7. You can take a deal. You get the physicalness of 30 or the mentalness of 7. Yeah. And I immediately jumped at that. Oh, my God. Okay, I think you did tell me about that, yeah, that it took you guys forever to get through it because that's that's really dense stuff. Like, I, I... And I knew comics better then 
than I do now. Mm-hmm. And as I was reading through the synopsis of Final Crisis, I'm like, who is this? What the hell is going on? What does yeah. it have to do with anything? I am so fucking lost. It's like Darkseid like loses his body and he like jumps into all these different people, including Dan Turpin. Um, the, the, there's Flash involved. Someone yeah. named Doctor Impossible. Because Flash survives. Okay. Because mm-hmm. Final Crisis, I think, leads into Blackest Night because that's why everyone's dead. Oh, for Blackest oh Night. yeah. Because isn't there a thing in like Blackest Night where they resurrect a, a Batman clone? Mm-hmm. Also God. dumb. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah, but that that's why because you have like um, uh, undead Aquaman fighting Mira. That sounds kind of cool. Actually. It is kind of cool because okay. that's when because then the lanterns come down and all of the all of the heroes get their own lantern. So that's when you have Blue Lantern Flash, which is great. Uh, you have Red Lantern Mira, which is awesome. She's like foaming at the mouth while she's fighting Aquaman. Is that when you get Black Lantern? So that's what the Blackest Night is. Yeah, but uh, but oh wait, no, you get Yellow Lantern Batman. Uh, yes. Okay. because uh, Yellow is fear. Okay. Um, so red is anger, orange, avarice. Oh, you don't have to go through all of it again. Okay, sorry. I won't. <laughs> I know you've got I think that goes to Lex Luthor. Yeah, yeah. I know orange goes to Lex. Before. Okay. I mean, I've been told, I was told recently too that I really have to read Blackest Night, but I think you even told me there's not a good way to read it all. It, it's there's so much. Yeah. But it, it is good. Okay. Maybe I'll try. It's one of the few that I've read. And so. <sighs> I should try. The thing that's so frustrating, I may have talked about this before on the podcast, I there's a lot of, a lot of DC stuff I want to read. I am, hands down, a bigger DC Comics fan than a Marvel Comics fan. I barely ever read Marvel Comics. I fucking love DC Comics. I would love if DC did a, like, DC Unlimited sort of thing so I could go through and just read a fuckload of it. I would pay 10 bucks a month or whatever to be able to go through and read all the stuff I want to read. They don't do it. Yeah. And so I can't. And it's super expensive to try and go through and do all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Got my rant in. Yeah, you're ranting. Good. Had to get it in there. What are your bat plugs? Uh, <laughs> um, I got a couple bat plugs. One is uh, I'm rereading one of my all-time favorite books right now. Oh. And it's called Lamb, the Gospel According to Biff, Christ's Childhood Friend. You told me friend. about this because you keep saying Biff, and I think it's like a crossover between the, the Bible back, and Back to the Future. Back to the Future, yeah. And for anyone who knows Marty me, Marty McFly goes back. To the, <laughs> he goes back to Jesus. Yeah, he hops into the time machine. He goes back to zero. He has to make sure that that Jesus Joseph gets crucified. and Mary. <laughs> He's got to go back and make sure that Jesus gets crucified um, to cover all the sins. Yeah. Um, it's one of my all-time favorite books, and anyone who knows me would be surprised that I would read anything involving religion, because that's just not really my jam. Um, but it is incredibly irrelevant. It's really funny. It's written by this guy, Christopher Moore, um, who does a whole bunch of just great fantasy sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's one of my all-time favorites, so I, I, I highly recommend it. It's probably my third or fourth time reading it. Wow. But I really love it. Um, and then I'm also going to plug a podcast that I listened to recently. Ooh. Um, some friends of mine made a podcast called The Game Agenda. Uh, which is all about them playing board games. Okay. Um, and it has a delightful pun in the title because they're all gay. Uh, oh, nice. And I'm trying to make everything more gay, including this podcast. Good. So I'm sharing this. Uh, but it's really fun. Like, they just they go and they play board games, review it, and talk about it. I highly recommend it. So mm-hmm. go check it out. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I am talking. I have, uh, what did I, I watched The Post this week. Did you plug oh, that last week? I may have. I, okay. I've seen it. It's great. It was so good. Oh, my gosh. 
seeing Bob Odenkirk and uh, and David David Cross Cross together again. again. Yeah, even if they're not funny together, they're still they have such a great little like banter and chemistry together. It's just so great to see them on screen. Yeah, always. Um, I watched the post. It was great. Um, I watched this documentary on Netflix called Counterpunch. What's that about? Uh, it's a boxing documentary. I got weirdly into boxing this week. I mean, you, you go to a boxing gym. I, yeah, yeah, I know. So, I but mean, I don't like do anything outside of that. But it's it's a cool documentary talking from three perspectives of boxing. Mm-hmm. So it's a kid who just turns 18 and gets his pro license. Um, and then it's a, a mid-20s guy who's trying to make it into the Olympics because like boxing, American boxing in the Olympics has just died out completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's a former um, middleweight champion who re- who retired his belt undefeated, and it's him trying to get trying to get it back. Okay, so coming out of retirement. Oh, that sounds pretty awesome. And it's really cool seeing the seeing the three perspectives of boxing. Mm-hmm. Well, what's it called again? Because I have to write this down. Counterpunch. Counterpunch. Okay, see, so, yeah, I got to mm-hmm. got write. <clears throat> I can't type for shit. All right, I got the note. Yeah. Uh, and there was an interesting video. I, it won't be a plug, but I just wanted to bring it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll send it to you. But it was uh, a video called How Theories Ruin the Last Jedi. Okay. And it was an interesting idea of, like, the reason people didn't like, uh, didn't like Star Wars is because they had too much time to theorize about it. Which oh. I, don't, I don't fully agree with, but there they were a lot of interesting points about, like, the psychology of the more times you read something, the more positive it feels. Yeah. Um, oh, interesting. There's a really cool study about that that I'll talk to you off mic about. Yeah. I did go watch that again. Last Jedi? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I definitely liked it more the second time around. Once <clears throat> I knew what I was going in for, I was able to appreciate it yeah. um, a little bit more. So, yeah, I think it just, it, that was that was always going to be a hard I know. Also, thing. I don't know if you saw, uh, also not really a plug, just a funny video. Um uh, Mr. Sunday made a video on his channel talking about uh, how how they ruined Star Wars. <laughs> uh, and he starts with Last Jedi and goes back. He's like, the prequels are what ruined the, what yeah. ruined it. And then he goes back and he's like, no, was Darth Vader being a good guy ruined Star Wars? And he goes to episode five. He's like, yeah. what ruined Star Wars was Cloud City. <laughs> and then he's like, he's like, it should have been Luke and Leia together. And he's like, keeps going back to like the beginning Oh, yeah, that's so like, fantastic. George Lucas ruined Star Wars. Star oh. Wars should have never existed in the first place. <laughs> it was originally called, just called Star Wars. And it was... That's great. It's, it's a fun little video. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, yeah. I got to go check that out. I love everything they do. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think that basically does it, right? I think we're good. Yeah. So um, our Nerdist School sponsor this week is Saint Anger. Okay. So We've plugged them before. Plugged them before. Yeah. Okay. So go check them out. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, we are at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook and Gmail, Instagram, and Twitter. Mm-hmm. I do this every week, and I still can't remember all of them. You're doing great. <laughs> As I'm going We're through. knocking it out. Uh, I am at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Cam Dexter underscore Adventures. I still have to think about that, which is bad. Well, because you, you changed it, basically. I did, yeah. Yeah, because eventually you'll get back to the other mm-hmm. one. Maybe. Yes. With more coming soon. Yay. <laughs> Uh, thanks. I'm coming in here, right? Thanks. <laughs> or sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. something I, I probably should have been saying from the beginning. Also, if you do listen to us, we always appreciate it. And if you wouldn't mind going and like 
rating us on iTunes? No. Because I guess that actually that. makes a difference. Don't, these things. don't be petty, Chris. What? I'm not being petty. I'm just saying I appreciate that we have people who do listen to us. Mm-hmm. And it would be lovely if you guys went and, uh, and gave us a nice rating on there and said how despite the fact that we're two idiots who never do this very professionally, you still listen to it regardless. Yes, we appreciate that. So thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye. I'm Paul Lair, and I've got anger issues. Convenient fees on Live Nation. That pisses me off. People who drive slow in traffic. That pisses me off. Dropping things. That pisses me off. So what do I do to manage my anger? I have a podcast called Say Anger, where I have a guest on every week. They tell me what makes them angry, and then it's like this little therapy session. It'll help you out. It sure as hell helps me out. So help me help you by subscribing to the Nerdist School Network. The Nerdist School Network. For class and show information, visit nerdistschool.com.